Welcome to C3 Church, Queens Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today. Well, even though they're not here, I would like to just take the opportunity to uh, honour Nicole and Steve Mara, incredible campus pastors, and to thank them once again for this opportunity to come and to share the Word, uh, the Word of God, uh, the Bible with you. I love being able to share from His Word. And so uh, I'm just going to get right into it, but I just wanted to take that moment to thank them again uh, for their leadership and for this opportunity. Well, I was very blessed to have a close relationship with my grandma, my mum's mum. Uh, She passed away in 2013, uh, but she was a faith-filled lady. She was gracious and wise. She could be very cheeky. You know, she had a laugh that would just seem to light up uh, the room. And I have many fond memories of her uh, shared moments and things that we did together growing up or me growing up, I should say. Uh, So being taught how to bake scones when I was four years old, going to her place for her famous Sunday roasts, uh, her delicious homemade tomato sauce, and watching rugby together on the tally. She would get so invested in a game, particularly when the All Blacks are playing, uh, that she would have to leave the room. She couldn't stand to watch it in those tense moments. I always have a laugh about that. She was gifted musically, and I loved hearing her make music with my granddad, who was also a, a wonderful musician. One of the things I remember clearly is being drawn to the different rings that she used to wear. And as a a young girl, I would look at the rings on her hand and ask about each one and what's the story behind it, where did you get it, that sort of thing. Uh, I think I may have commented a few too many times perhaps on how wrinkly her hands were, uh, which I'm sure she appreciated. But I especially loved her ruby diamond ring, which my granddad gave her uh, for their 40th wedding anniversary. And when she passed away, uh, she left this ring to me, so I'm wearing it today. And I treasure this ring, uh, not so much because it is a beautiful piece of jewellery and I want to keep it in good condition, although there is that. I treasure it because it belonged to my grandma. And even though she has passed, her legacy continues. And I want to honour her because of who she was and all she meant in my life. I want to look after this ring because I value the person who gave it to me. I value who my grandma was. You know, when something has value, we look after it. We treat it with care and respect. We protect it and treasure it. When we value another person, we want to love on them by giving them our time and doing things for them and looking after them. We want to share life experiences with that person. The value we receive in our human relationships certainly is a gift and we don't want to take that for granted. But there is no greater value we have received than that given through Jesus Christ. The saviour of the world, the miracle worker, the overcomer of sin and death, the profound comforter, the truest friend, the King of kings and the Lord of lords has declared that you are stamped with value. And so maybe you're here today and the first thought you had just then was, I'm not sure about that. I don't feel like I'm stamped with value. Trust me, it's not going to be my words that will convince you. As we look at how we're stamped with value, which has been revealed through the Bible, through His Word, I believe the Holy Spirit will show you. And so I just want to pray before we open the Word this morning. Father God, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for what You reveal to us about who You are, but also about who we are in You through it. So God, I pray today that you would speak through your word this morning, that you would illuminate that which is perhaps hidden, uh, the mysteries of your grace. And God, that people would be drawn closer to you as we 
read together his word in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Jesus had numerous encounters with individuals where we see him give value to the other person. You know, Jesus didn't just address the physical need. He gave attention to the heart need. They were stamped with value by Jesus just as we are today. And so we're going to look at three examples this morning. And so I invite you to turn in your Bibles if you wish to follow along yourself. Uh, Luke 13, will be coming up on the screen behind me as well. Uh, Luke 13, verses, starting at verse 10. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Here we have this woman bent over and unable to stand up straight for 18 years. And the notation that she is crippled by a spirit shows that this is not merely a result of aging or representation of human mortality, but there is a spiritual opposition at work here. And so just picture it for a moment. (laughs) We laugh, but you know, seriously, imagine living your life like that for 18 years. Can you imagine? You know, when reading this passage of Scripture, I find myself wondering, what had it been like for her living this way all those years? I wonder how many people had walked past her. Curious onlookers, perhaps whispering about her amongst themselves, maybe even pointing their fingers at her. Not Jesus. In a synagogue full of people, Jesus saw her. He makes the first move. He takes the initiative. He calls her forward. If Jesus didn't value her, would he have done this? Would he have seen her? I don't think we're so great at seeing people sometimes because to see someone like Jesus is to invest in time in them, right? It's to look beyond the physical appearance to what's underneath. It's a willingness to be inconvenienced and it also requires us to be selfless. I know about you, but I don't always find that easy. <laughs> There's a parent at one of my schools who immediately came to mind as I was thinking about this. I've met a lot of people as a school chaplain and just being real, some are more difficult than others. And uh, this parent presents with some challenging behaviours and having conversations uh, can be hard and equally difficult to get out of. And so there are days when I've gone to school and I thought, oh, not today, God. I don't want to be patient today. I'm not available. I'm just going to shut myself in my office and just stay in there the whole day and not interact with anybody. Uh, And so, yeah, there's been days where I've done not quite that, but I've seen the person coming towards me and I've deliberately gone the other way to escape. Uh, I'm a great chaplain, guys. Just putting it out there. No, but I'm just being real with you, right? I know I'm not the only one who's, who's had these thoughts before. But, you know, God continues to put this parent uh, on my heart. And he's challenged me in this. And he showed me one day that this parent is so lonely and starved of human connection. That for them, the school community is their family. It's where they feel safe and cared for. And so um, on that one, I decided one morning I better start praying a bit more (laughs) about her. And um, basically I just prayed, God, would you help me to see her the way you see her? Would you give me the patience and the compassion? And 
Uh, well, that day, boy, I had some opportunities. I had a lot of opportunities, in fact. And so be careful what you pray for, right? Because God will answer your prayers. But seriously, you know, when we put aside our preconceived ideas and prejudices about others to really see the person underneath, you know, when we take the time to get to know someone, when we're willing to be inconvenienced and show through our actions that we genuinely care, we're saying to that person, you are stamped with value. Just like Jesus did when he saw that crippled woman. Jesus sees the one in the crowd and he stamps that one with value. And, and that's what he did for this, this woman that day. Jesus saw her and he called her to come forward and, and Jesus brought her near. She was stamped with value, previously overlooked by many, alone and within herself, probably resigned to being like this the rest of her days. And Jesus sets her free and he liberates her from her bondage. Woman, you are set free, Jesus declares. And so being stamped with value by Jesus means we're on the path to further freedom. You know, we, we meet Jesus at that point of salvation, but it doesn't end there. It's not like you're set free and that's it. See you later. We're on this continual path to be set free. And so we also read in, in verse 13, he put his hands on her. Jesus sees her, he calls her forward, releases that physical healing and places his hands on her. I wonder prior to Jesus touching her on that Sabbath day, would she have experienced much human touch or connection? Or had she experienced that, much of that over the past 18 years? Jesus gives her dignity by laying his hands on her. Jesus laying his hands on her symbolises not just physical healing, but a, a healing of the heart, a life-changing moment that reminds her of her true worth, that she is stamped with value. You know, as Jesus releases that physical healing, her back is immediately made straight and she prays God. This woman receives a much greater gift than just physical healing. She receives a restoration of identity that reminds her that her life has purpose and meaning. You know, when we know we're stamped with value, we also know that our life has meaning. There's significance in what you're doing here. There's significance in your being here. You are not just here by mistake. You know, no matter how you came into the world, you know, like God has a plan for you. He, he knows what it's about. He knows that there is a purpose, a reason that you are here. With stamp with value, we will know that our, our life has meaning as well. Our second our reading is from John, John chapter 8, uh, verses 2 to 11. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write in the ground, on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. I'm not quite sure what he, he wrote. Uh, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with a woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. 
then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. You know, the Pharisees bring this woman to Jesus who has been caught in adultery to a public place, the temple courts. And so it's clear the Pharisees want to embarrass this woman and Jesus while also puffing up their sense of self-righteousness. And by referring to the law of Moses or in part on the issue of adultery, they ask Jesus in verse 5, what do you say? Come on, Jesus, we brought this woman before you. What do you say about it? They're trying to trap Jesus. They want him to let her go without addressing the issue of adultery. Or they want him to agree, they want him to agree with them having her stoned. So they're trying to find a reason uh, to make an accusation against him. But Jesus' response, it doesn't fall into either one of these traps. And he says to them in verse 7, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. You know, Jesus didn't come to shame or to condemn us. You know, that's why he says to the woman after her accusers have left, neither do I condemn you. Jesus does instruct her to go and leave her life of sin. And, and let's be clear, this is very important. You know, Jesus loves us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. I mean, Jesus doesn't uh, condemn us for our sin, but he doesn't want us to remain in that sin. He doesn't want us to continue living that way because our sin ultimately separates us from God. He's, he's come to bring us closer to God. It's our sin that's going to separate us from Him. And so the grace and, and mercy that God offers through Jesus is not so that we can keep on sinning and doing whatever we want. The grace and mercy of God reveals our sin and our need for a Saviour. And it is a catalyst for us to step into freedom, into the freedom that Jesus purchased on the cross. And so as Jesus interacts with this woman, he addresses the behaviour and he tells her not to continue in her sin and he gives value to her by reminding her of her position in him, that she is not condemned. She is forgiven. She is stamped with value by Jesus, but now she is to practise a new way of living. She's to take that, that new identity and she's to do something with it. Being stamped with value by Jesus means we live in a new way. We leave the old patterns of behaviour behind. In Him, we're called to a better way of living. You know, a life where we're set free from every chain. A life where we can know unconditional love and, and acceptance. And at the end of this message, there will be a, an opportunity for those of you here today who don't know Jesus to say yes to a relationship with Him, to a new life, to be set free and on the path to further freedom. It's certainly what I want. I want to be set, set free to be, uh, continue to be freed. Well, our third uh, reading is from Luke 19. So Luke 19, uh, reading from the New Living Translation, starting at verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was, a man there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus but he was too short to see over the crowd. I can relate to this, right? Like when I go places and I'm sitting in a concert or whatever I'm watching and someone sits right in front of me and they're really tall, it's so annoying. And then I'm like having, and then someone else sits next to them who's equally as tall. Well, everyone's taller than me anyway, but like, you know, they sit in front, right? And I'm trying to like, you know, do this and oh, it's so annoying. So I get where he's at, right? So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. 
Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement. I'd be pretty excited too. If Jesus was like, hey, I want to come to your house, I'd be pretty stoked about that. So Jesus uh, took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. Oh, the people. Can't, can't, can't relate to the people at all, can we, guys? The people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. Come on, how, how do we know that we're sometimes like the crowd, right? We're sometimes like the onlookers grumbling about what we think uh, things should be. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Well, up until this point, Zacchaeus had been largely defined by his, uh, in society by his position as the chief tax collectors. And tax collectors were not the most popular people back then. Uh, they were seen as traitors and thieves due to the fact that the taxes collected from the Jews uh, at that time went to Rome, who occupied the land. And so Zacchaeus had used his position to get what he wanted, like many other tax collectors, to become rich. And in the process, he had done wrong by people. He talks about this himself. He's cheated people on their taxes. And so in other words, Zacchaeus wasn't getting many invitations to dinner, right? And so like with the crippled woman, Jesus takes the initiative to approach Zacchaeus, not only taking the time to stop and personally speak with him in a crowd full of people, but inviting himself to Zacchaeus' home and the crowd, the, the onlookers, they're not happy about this, as I've said, and they're grumbling about it. In the crowd's eyes, Zacchaeus was stamped with greed, self, selfishness. To them, he was just a thief, a traitor, a sinner, and vertically challenged. But Jesus wasn't bothered by his status as a tax collector, by his wealth. He wasn't bothered by other people's opinions of him. Jesus stamped Zacchaeus with value. To Jesus, Zacchaeus was well worth his time and his attention. You know, no matter what the crowd have said about you, no matter what you've been stamped with over your life, you can be assured of something. Jesus Christ has stamped you with value. And this means that we are never written off in His eyes. And no matter what our past, past mistakes are or what people have spoken over us, it does not change. Our identity is secure and set in Him. And He has the final say on our value and our future. And that's a good thing. We want that. <laughs> And so we read that, that Zacchaeus' life-altering encounter with Jesus convicted him to change his ways. Zacchaeus' revelation of who he was in Jesus meant he desired to make things right. And he wasn't forced to do this. Like his offer was voluntary and generous. He, he initiates that. That's, that's how much Jesus changes you, that you then want to, oh, God, I just come to you and I just want to give you everything. That's what happens when we meet Jesus. And, and so when we understand that Jesus has stamped us with value, we care far more about what Jesus values. And so how does this truth, how does this truth that we are stamped with value overflow into our daily life decisions? What does this truth uh, look like practically as we live it out? Ephesians 5, 1 to 2, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus these words, Therefore, become imitators of God, copy Him, and follow his example. As well beloved children imitate their father and walk continually in love. That is value one another. Practice 
empathy and compassion and selfishly seeking the best for others, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and sacrifice to God, slain for you so that it became a sweet fragrance. When you love another person, you know, you give them value. But have you ever heard the phrase, hurt people, hurt people? It's pretty hard to treat someone else with value if we don't accept that we ourselves have value, right? We've got to get into our spirit. We've got to make it a a declaration of who we are in Jesus. Yes, I am stamped with value. You know, you might have to say it out loud and you might have to keep saying it until you can sense that shift in your mindset, that self-talk, the internal dialogue, you know, the lies of the enemy that run through your mind, thoughts like, I'm not good enough. I'm not worth anything. I'm a stuff up. I'm a bad husband, a terrible wife, a lousy friend. I'm a failure as a parent. I won't amount to anything. When you find yourself having these thoughts, hey-ho, you can actually talk back to them. You can actually talk back to them. You can say, no, I'm stamped with value. I'm a child of God. You see, when this truth becomes a, a personal declaration, when you can accept how much Jesus loves and values you, you realize you're worth looking after. So it changes not just how we see others, it changes also how we're seeing ourselves and therefore how we're treating ourselves. And so to look after yourself is about practicing self-care. And so we feed our spirit through prayer and, and worship and connect group and being in church and and we look after ourselves physically through sleeping well and, and, and get, well, getting enough sleep or getting regular exercise. Uh, scheduling times to rest so we don't burn out. When I say all these things, I'm also telling myself these things because I know none of us have it all together. I don't have it all together. We're, we're all working through these things. And, and we pay attention to our emotional world too uh, by spending quality time with family and friends and, and doing things that we enjoy. But Eden, I'm a mum to young children. What is sleep? I'm not a parent either, so I can't relate to you. So depending on what season you're in, uh, this is going to look different for each of us. So if you're a mum to young kids, your self-care is going to look different to someone running a business or at, at a high part in their company. Or it's going to look different if you're a student at university. It's going to look different if you're a young married couple or if you're entering your retirement years. But it's important we don't neglect it. Find what works for you. Find those things that you can do that are going to help you in this area. And so I want to challenge you, and in challenging you, I'm I'm challenging myself too, to choose one thing you can do over the next week to practice self-care in each of those areas I mentioned. So our physical, our emotional, our spiritual world. So it might be listening to worship music uh, in the car on your way to work or the Bible on audio. might be doing a meal plan for the week so you're organised ahead of time. Maybe it's going for a walk along the coast or at the park, scheduling date night with your spouse or booking in time uh, to have coffee with a friend. Now, I believe as you do this, it's going to build up your sense of worth and value. We are stamped with value and he wants us to treat ourselves as such. When we treat ourselves that we are, like we are stamped with value, we don't let the way others treat us or what they say about us diminish our sense of value. I want to read you this quote uh, be coming up on the screen behind me. If you aren't being treated with love and respect, check your price tag. Maybe you've marked yourself down. It's you who tells people what you're worth. Get off the clearance rack and get behind the glass where they keep the valuables. <laughs> The price tag stamped on you has value written in big, bold letters. Perhaps you're here today and it's hard for you to believe. You've had many words spoken over your life that have distorted 
and mixed up your sense of worth and value. Well, these words cannot stand against the word of God. And what do I mean by this? Well, God has stamped you differently. And so why listen to the world when you can listen to what God says about you, when you can listen to things like, hey, you're a child of God. You're a new creation. You're justified and redeemed. You're victorious. You're accepted by Christ. You're an heir with Christ. You're holy and righteous in His sight. Yeah, come on, you can get a bit excited about this. This is our position in Him. And it's final and it cannot be contested. If you were the only person on earth, Jesus would still die for you. His sacrifice, willingly giving his body on the cross to be crucified, to take your sin, our sin upon himself, paying the price on our behalf, defeating sin and death, creating the doorway to relationship with him, shows that we are valuable in his sight, that he would endure the punishment we deserve for our sin. We've actually discredited the value he's given us. Jesus must really love us. He must really value us. So thinking about that, if we value others the way Jesus values them, if we, like Paul exhorts us in Ephesians 5, value one another, practice empathy and compassion, unselfishly seeking the best for others, what does that look like for us? It might look like investing, uh, well, it does look like investing time into others. And this could be inviting them over for a meal, speaking encouraging, life-giving words, celebrating their successes. It looks like treating others with respect, being interested in them, using their name, asking questions, taking time to listen. <laughs> That's a big one, I think, particularly in our culture today. We're very fast-paced. It's like, hey, how you going? Hey, how you going? And we're, just, we're still walking while we're still asking them how they are. We're not, not really engaging in that conversation. It's actually taking the time. So, hey, how you going? And then having a chat with them and listening to how things are actually are going for them rather than just a token hello and, and goodbye. I've done it too. So, You know, if we, if we disagree with someone, we all have disagreements from time to time. So if we disagree with someone, it looks like working hard to see their point of view. Don't be dismissive of it. Listen. Try and see it from their point of view. Try and put yourself in their shoes. When we understand we're stamped with value, we're going to treat others with value. So I want to encourage you this week to think about what is one thing you can do to show that you, that you value others this week? What can you do to show that the work colleague that sometimes gets on your nerves? Or what about the friend you've not been in touch with for a while? How can we value our parents? If we're married, what can we do for our spouse that will show them that you value them as Jesus does. You know, whoever it is, let's help one another this week to see that we're stamped with value. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.